Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, let's go to the news conference with KCPD Chief Stacey Graves. That although not all-inclusive of all of our efforts, will outline your police department strategies for reducing violent crime. I do want to note... Our homicide unit detectives have worked hard to bring justice for our victims, currently clearing 73% of our homicides, which is well above the national average, with an additional 22 cases awaiting review for charges to ensure those who are taking lives by violence in Kansas City are held accountable. I also want to set realistic expectations in regard to violent crime. Your police force is just one part of the solution, and we will do our best to prevent violent crime and ensure those who choose violence are held accountable to the degree that we can. We are facing a critical staffing shortage, 300 officers short, and that matters. We are advocating for a city jail with adequate space and services at City Hall and have had positive and productive conversations. I promise to be a good partner with others in our city who are working to reduce violent crime. Together, we hold the key to stopping violent crime in Kansas City. We have to interrupt the culture of violence in Kansas City where conflicts end in gun violence. Resolve conflicts without violence. Walk away. Your police department cares. We're going to keep showing up and we're committed to doing our part in reducing violent crime in Kansas City. And Mayor, if you have anything, if not, we, we'll take questions. I'll just say uh, one brief thing that I want to make clear to everyone. This chief, the city council, the mayor's office, all of us are committed to cooperation. When you look at cities that had more positive results than we did this year, a lot of it relates to collaboration. It relates to us working together, as the chief noted. It relates to us making sure that there isn't just one source of solutions, but that we are working across our community in violence interruption and prevention, and importantly, as the chief noted, in enforcement, which continues to be an important part of what we do. We continue to thank particularly those who have been working in our homicide unit, who are dealing with any number of calls, any number of challenges right now, and those women and men of our police department are committed to making sure we find justice for all victims and their families. But more than anything, we're also committed to making sure we can be safer in 2024. We have seen other communities do it. We have done it at times. That's why I appreciate the Chief's efforts to making sure that we're talking about violence prevention, not just here, not just in community meetings, but in every forum in Kansas City where we can. So, Chief, I thank you for that, and we're happy to stand for questions. 
Omaha and Des Moines are of like population as Kansas City. Both of those cities finished 2023 with sub-25 homicides. Where are we going? Are we following that model? Is what can be done to to copy them because obviously it's working. Well, I think oftentimes when you you compare Kansas City to other cities or or even what seemingly seems like comparable cities, each one of our cities has unique challenges. And so we do pay attention to what other cities are doing, what works. As as Kansas City is a major um, city and that we have meetings with major city police departments, um, I meet with my peer chiefs. I listen to what they have uh, that's working in their cities to reduce violent crime. I take all of those, but I have to apply that to here to our challenges to Kansas City. So I ha so everything that, that we do and apply, it has to be specific to, to our unique challenges here in Kansas City. Are there any specific uh, programs from other cities that you might be applying for this next year or trying to implement? Well, we, we are going to do the, the evidence-based focus deterrence model, uh, but that, again, is in addition to all strategies that we're doing. We're not just doing one, we're not focusing on one strategy. We are doing everything from focus deterrence, which is a, a, a model of which you have to have specific pillars to call it a model, to good old-fashioned police work. Like all of those things combined and just working together with our partners, I think the, the partnership is what is, is a key factor in this because police are just part of the solution. Um, it's going to take all of us to come together in Kansas City and that's why we talk about a citywide approach to violent crime because that's what it's going to take to break the generational violence that we have here in our city. Chief, what do you say to the folks uh, out there that may think that we can arrest our way out of this? Some, some people think that you can arrest your way out of it, and you know what, enforcement is a part of it. Because those who choose to do violence in Kansas City have got to be held accountable. But when you look at parts of our city that have experienced decades of violence, you've got to see that some of the children that have grown up in that environment have, have been exposed to trauma. There's a, a potential for children that are exposed to trauma to replay that out as they become adults too, or even not learning those uh, conflict resolution skills. So we want to make sure that when we talk about uh, providing resources and whatnot, we do want to provide a, a way for people to choose to not participate in criminal activity, specifically violent crime. But if you do, there will be enforcement. Chief Graves, on this 300 officers short, where does that figure come from? I mean, I go to the monthly meetings, I've never heard that. Well, because... It, it, that is a little bit confusing. We are slotted to have over 1,400 officers. We are about 1,100 officers. Fully, that, that, that's what our staffing is right now. We are funded for 1,250 because we don't ask for more money than the officers that we think that we can hire in a year. Where so that might be worth. Where does 1,400 standard come from? Have you ever had 1,400 officers? Uh, yes. In fact, in 2019, I believe we were. 1,300, we are close to 1,400 officers then. Okay. Okay. That includes civilians? No, that does not. We usually, at full strength, I believe we have 619 non-sworn staff. So when you say 300 officers short, is that patrol officers or civilians? That is law enforcement officers, um, and that, that carries across different bureaus, whether that's in our investigations bureau or our patrol bureau. Do you have some uh, evidence? 
Sure. I'll, I'll make it really simple because focus deterrence, there's, there's different ways to explain it, but basically um, when you, you identify groups or people that are involved in violent crime or criminal activity, you call them in and you advise them, I know that you're involved in criminal activity. You have a choice. You can choose to accept services to assist you in getting out of a life of crime. You can do that on your own and, and stop being involved in criminal activity or you will face enforcement with a certainty of consequences. That's focus deterrence. The other question I had was you said 11 hour shifts is what you were going to do. Yes. Is that only a certain amount of officers that will do that or is that across the board? That is across the city. All uniform officers in all six of our patrol division stations will go to an 11 hour shift on January the 21st. It, there, there's a couple benefits with that. One is we hope that we are de redeploying officers, which we haven't done since I've been, uh, which we haven't changed uh, since I've been on the police department. When I first came on, we went from an eight-hour shift to a 10-hour shift. Um, fast forward 25 years later, this is the 11-hour shift that is redeploying our officers, hopefully more officers during, the, during shift time and during peak hours to where officers will be available for emergency calls or service or, or hopefully more available for proactive work uh, during those specific times. It has an extra benefit because it will also allow officers a little bit more time off. You know, being critically staffed, as you can understand, sometimes days off could be potentially denied because we don't have enough people to cover the shift and we have to have so many officers cover to ensure that we are keeping our city safe. You talked about focused deterrence. Uh, Northeast finished 2023 with seven homicides yes. in December alone. What can the citizens of Northeast expect in, in terms of additional coverage, additional resources? Because that's, that's unreal. That's record yes, it is. alone. Yes, it is. And I'm actually glad you asked that. We had our, our weekly meeting, which we call Shoot Review, here, right here in this room. And we discussed that specifically because as chief of police, I ask those questions. I pay attention. I've asked the, the, the patrol bureau commander. I've asked the, um, the major at East Patrol, and they had answers for me. I asked, you have this many homicides in the northeast area. What is going on over there? Is this a pattern? Is this group violence? Is this, you know, what what is this? Because that would matter of how we would deploy our resources. Um, these all seem to be separate incidents. Um, but it is definitely a, a spike in violent crime in the Northeast, and there are added patrols. Chief, nationally, we've seen um, decreases in violent crime, including homicide. You know, are there any challenges unique or specific to Kansas City that you know you can think of that might explain why we're seeing? You, yes, and, and I've actually kept my eye on that. And some of the, the, the largest cities in the United States have actually seen, in some, a double-digit reduction. Um, but again, I've got to look at what other police departments do and see how I can apply that here in Kansas City, which is why we're bringing that focus deterrence model here. Um, but outside of that, I've got to look at those, those specific challenges here. So what are they, what was your question again? I'm sorry. Yeah, what are they doing? I'll tell you one of the challenges. I will tell you one of the challenges. We have a culture of violence in Kansas City of solving gun conflict with guns. That is the, 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 the violent cycle that we need to, to break. And that's going to take everything from people in their homes um, to, to stop some of the conflict that's going on, for people who are involved in conflict to walk away. Um, we've seen people who are involved in road rage uh, result in gun violence just drive away. 
Um, we have just got to figure out how to resolve conflict peacefully, and if that is walking away, then do so. How do you plan on measuring the success of these initiative programs this year, and we're assuming this will take some time? Yes, it will take some time. And, you know, we didn't get here overnight either with the, the violent crime that, that we have here in Kansas City. Um, that's the one thing about the police department, as long as I've been on. We do go back and reevaluate. But we have a specific commander that is actually keeping track of all of, all of the initiatives and all of the uh, efforts that, that we are putting forth in reducing violent crime. And if it doesn't work... <laughs> We're gonna. We're, I think we're pretty good at pivoting. I'm not gonna wait until December of 24 to say, oh hey, this isn't working. Like if there's some kind of initiative that we're doing that we're not seeing results, we'll have to pivot and and work towards something else that does. All right, uh, that is Kansas City, Missouri Police Chief Stacy Graves talking about. Uh, the department's plans to address the violence in the city. Again, it was a record year, 181 homicides in Kansas City last year. Yeah, and we've got a lot to talk about as a result of all of that, including the buzz term that you heard repeated over and over and over again during that news conference, evidence-based focused deterrence. Now you've got something new to Google, and, and, and we've got <laughs> yep. something new to discuss as far as how that works and whether it's going to work over the long haul, because you heard her describe some of what goes into evidence-based focused deterrence. There's a lot more to it. Obviously, I mean, in a press conference, she's limited because she wants to get as many questions in as possible. But we'll talk about some of those things and whether the, we, we think that they have a good shot at succeeding in a, a city where, as she just admitted, there is what she called a culture of violence. All right, if you have thoughts here, 913-586-7798. We'll be back to recap and explain coming up next on KMBZ. 913-586-7798. Uh, last year, it was 181 murders in the city of Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, that was a record. And so Chief Stacy Graves, you just heard this, uh, gave some solutions I have to tell you, my first thought was, why weren't we just doing this stuff all along then? Yeah. It, well, I, I guess until you realize you have a problem, which we've known now for more than a few years, that, uh, yeah, is sometimes it can be tough to find those solutions. But some of the numbers that I've been looking at for this focused deterrence program are pretty stark. Um, one that they point to was a an effort undertaken in Boston a few years back that had a 63% drop in youth homicides in a year. Wow. Okay. So, okay. Uh, and, and like I said, you heard her lay out a little bit of this. We can talk some more about it in just a minute. In the, in the meantime, let's go to the phones and bring in Jim in Topeka. Hey, Jim. Hello there. The one thing that she kept repeatedly talking about was the behavior and changing the behavior of. Every program that there's out there has a use for the person that needs it. But there is an overlooked program happening out in Hutchinson, Kansas, to where it actually changes the behavior and they have a very low recidivism rate when that they send them through the program dealing with animals. So when we look at changing the attitude, we've got to change the attitude of the judges. We've got to change the attitude of what they're sentenced to. And we've got to change our expectations of how they were going to change it. So when she talks about her process, she can do her process well, but everybody else has to do theirs. Yeah, yeah, you got it, Jim. Thank you. And a lot of what goes into this program, this focused deterrence program, is exactly that, because it even juxtaposes in, in the initial work that was done on this. It juxtaposes focused deterrence against zero tolerance. 
And they say zero tolerance has a lot of problems, not the least of which is if somebody screws up once, they get the hammer down on them. Even if that yeah. person was never likely to reoffend, that what focused deterrence is focused on is exactly what Jim just talked about. It's it's about the recidivism rate. If and and that must mean that in the minds of the mayor's office and the police state, uh, the police department, and all of that, that they figure the biggest part of the problem in Kansas City is reoffenders. It's not. You know, uh, an argument that gets out of control and somebody just grabs a gun and shoots the other guy because he's mad. It's something that that guy who grabs that gun probably already has a rap sheet and a pretty significant one. So if they feel that's the case, what this would do is it would allow them to call that guy in before he reoffends and say, look, we know you've got a rap sheet. We know you're still involved in violent crime, although we're not accusing you of anything at the moment. But what we are telling you is we are watching you. We're going to be on you and all of your friends like stink on a skunk. And if you reoffend, not only will you go away, that's when the hammer is going to come down because you're already a repeat offender. So if we catch you again, you're going down and you're going down hard. Okay, so one of the theories of criminology that you and I have talked about before is that <clears throat> the threat of punishment is not enough to keep people from committing violent crime. Right. If that worked, we would have no murder because we have the death penalty. And so I just wonder how much of that, if you're not good, then you're really going to go away, is really going to work for people that, like we talked about yesterday, have nothing to lose. It only works. Right. Well, and that's a big part of it, too. But it, it only works if they can work with the other agencies that Jim was just talking about. And that, again, is outlined in some of what I've been reading about focused deterrence is you need judges, prosecutors, cops. You need every agency involved in law enforcement on the same page so that when that guy goes to court again, the prosecutors go to the judge and they say, this guy is a repeat offender. He's part of the program. We told him we were watching him and he still reoffended. That's when the judge has to come in and step in during sentencing and make sure that the sentence that they're given is a long enough one that that news will reverberate out on the street. That when you get called in for that meeting, they're serious, they mean it, and they will find you. I, I want to talk for one second about the shift length. Um, I don't know, uh, because I'm fascinated by the staffing issue. But they, she made the point of saying that their standard staffing is $1,400. they are currently at 1100 that they have the budget for 1250 I had to double check. Um, officers work a 10 hour shift right now. Um, and I had to check with uh, our friend at KCPD and they're going to move that to an 11 hour shift. Mm -hmm. Somebody give me insight into what that accomplishes. Yeah. That, Why? That I have no idea. Um, it's just an interesting thing. 10 hours is already pretty long. Mm -hmm. I mean, and especially having done a ride along. I mean, that's, that's a long time already. What's the 11th hour do for you? Unless that's going to be part of that. If they're going to be using that 11th hour to start making those phone calls and finding those guys and, and notifying. Because notification under this theory, and again, whether you think it's going to be an effective theory or not, that's fine. But under this um, direction for law enforcement, that notification is such a big part of it because it means they're going to be looking over their shoulders. And not only do they notify the offender, they tell him, what we want you to do is you go back to your buddies and you tell them the same thing we're telling you now, that we know who your associates are. So you go and tell, you know, this guy and this guy and this guy, we're watching them too. You're first on our list. They're right behind you. 
And what you're hoping is that, the, uh, again, that the word gets out on the street that repeat offenders are now on notice that the hammer is, is going to come down on them. But you have to be able to follow through on that. They, they will know if you don't. And that word will get around just as fast that, yeah, they called me in and so what? I got another sentence. It was another six months. Big deal. If you have thoughts here, 913-586-7798. Um, someone who claims to be an expert on Omaha is debating a lot that Omaha has done a lot of things that we haven't. I just want to point out, it's a, that's a weird analogy to me. Um, city size were comparable. Omaha's a little bit smaller. We've got about 20,000 people more. Metro size, yeah, which a... I know goes beyond KC mm -hmm. proper, but metro size were more than twice the size of Omaha. It's, it's almost exactly twice as big. Well, yeah. That's a weird analogy to me. It is, and you also, you heard her mention, um, there was a question that came in about statistics in the Northland, which right. again, you know, we're talking about in, in a lot of cases outside her jurisdiction, but... Uh, you know, even at that, you kind of need, especially in a metro area this size, you need other agencies that aren't necessarily under your control to be on board with this as well, to kind of take on the same mantle so that it doesn't just move everything, you know, it, it, just outside city limits. And then all of a sudden you have no control anymore. If you have thoughts, feel free to get in here. Uh, a lot of texts are coming in as well. We'll take more of your comments next on KMBZ. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Back here on this Wednesday afternoon here on KMBZ. A uh, quick note for tomorrow, um, and we're going to go further into this coming up on Friday. We still don't know where the Royals are going to play eventually. We don't know how all that's going to fall. And so the Stadium Improvements Committee of Jackson County is doing a public hearing about a community benefits agreement about the Royal Stadium. That is at 3 p.m. on Thursday, January 4th at the Jackson County Courthouse, downtown Kansas City, Missouri, on East 12th Street. Uh, Manny Abarca is the one that we saw post that. We're going to get him on the air Friday to talk further about that. So Fantastic. If you want to go talk more about it, hear more about it, have at it. When is Enjoy. somebody going to kick someone in the butt and get them in gear on this? It's maddening. What is the problem? <laughs> I just say to the universe, what is the problem? Yeah. So um, I'm sure he will have tons to say uh, coming up on, on Friday. Let me just go squirrel for half a second. We've heard nothing new about Jackson County assessments, right? No. No. Okay. I, I randomly had that thought this morning talking about Jackson County that we've, there's been no staffing change. I'm seeing a couple things about they're going to allow the appeals to start the hearings on appeals to start again in a couple of weeks, maybe, but not, 
not at the moment. No, and, so. and that means that we're now past the time when everybody was supposed to have paid those bills already. So I'm sure they're waiting for those things to start back up so they can get their money back. Yes, yes. All right, moving on um, to the story that you found. <laughs> There's half an hour left. Why not talk about Scientology for a while? <laughs> Get everybody ready to go for Dayton Parks coming yeah. up. Yeah, oh, here we go. And this is such a fascinating way to go about it, which is what initially dragged me into this story. When I first heard that somebody was going to try to mount a RICO case against the Church of Scientology, I, my jaw dropped, first of all, and then I thought, why didn't this happen 30 years ago? And the reason why it's happening now all goes back to Danny Masterson. Danny Masterson, formerly of That 70s Show, who was accused and sued and, I mean, had all kinds of legal convicted. action against him and convicted mm -hmm. of sexual assault and rape and all of these other things. And um, to, to do a little background, if you've never seen... Some of the, the uh, takedowns, some of them from ex-Scientologists and some of them from journalists over the years of the Church of Scientology, a lot of it is surrounded the tactics that they use to go after and try to destroy the lives of their detractors, whether those detractors are journalists or whether they're, like we said, ex-members, they have harassed people, they've, uh, they've, they've shown up outside their houses, and I, I mean... It goes so far into the allegations that are in this uh, this proposed RICO action, as people have accused members of the Church of Scientology to showing uh, of showing up at their houses and killing their pets. Wow. I mean, it's been that bad. Wow. So, what they're saying now is, okay, you have this Danny Masterson case, and part of the reason why it took so long for anything to happen in the legal course against Danny Masterson is that the church was protecting him and they were protecting him again, according to this legal action, they were protecting him using the exact same tactics that they had used in the past against ex members and other people like that. So what they're alleging is that you have this criminal organization that has committed crimes in, in defense of other members of the same criminal organization that's a RICO. That's the mob. So what they're doing is they're accusing Scientology of being the mob. That's a pretty big statement. Okay. It's huge. Um, okay. Talk to me about this trial date that's coming up in September. Uh, um, that they talk about in the story. Yeah. So according to Deadline, they said after various unsuccessful attempts by Scientology to get the 2019 filed harassment dispute by ex-members of the church pulled out of the courts, the December 27th uh, filed leave to amend says that the addition of the racketeer, the RICO Act, is legitimate because many of Scientology's criminal enterprises, money-making schemes are criminal in nature. So what's, yeah, what's going to happen in September is uh, that trial is apparently going to go forward. Now, this, now okay. I, while I say that, there's a lot of time in between now and then for Scientology to continue to fight this because... The thing you have to remember about Scientology is they are sitting on such a massive pile of money that they have some of the best attorneys in the world, not only as members, but on staff all the time. So you better believe that we have not heard the last of the filings in this case because Scientology does not want this to enter a courtroom. To the extent, can you educate me a little bit more about RICO? 
about what it like. I think most of us think about the mob. Yeah. But like, what is it actually that the way it's written? What does it actually mean? It, that it, what you can do is you can go after if you can prove that an organization itself is corrupt, is engaged in criminal activity, then that means that everybody who is involved in running that criminal organization is a criminal, is by extension okay. a criminal, because you don't have to necessarily, like Capone didn't necessarily have to kill anybody. He did, but he didn't necessarily have to kill anybody in order to be the head of a criminal organization, which in itself under RICO is a crime. So even though they didn't get him for that, they got him for tax fraud. Because um, I'm not sure exactly when RICO was passed. As a matter of fact, I'd have to go back and look into that. Um, but what it says is that you can't say in court that you're innocent if you were running a criminal organization just because you personally didn't do anything. Got it. Okay. I am looking more into the lawsuit in this story and just, uh, and you read some of this already, about what they are accused of doing while presenting itself outwardly as a respectable organization. And then here are the 30 other things they did that don't mirror being a respectable organization. Uh-huh. Why have they not done this already? Because they're very hard to go after, and they and they do retaliate. Um, I I know personally journalists that because they're uh, one of their headquarters, the headquarters for the Sea Org, which is kind of one of their weird elite units, is in Clearwater, Florida. It's at the old Fort Harrison Hotel in Clearwater, and the, so a lot of the journalists that have tried to to expose what they say is Scientology's criminal activity over time are based in the Tampa Bay area. The St. Petersburg Times, the old Tampa Tribune, those guys were the ones who were there. And and so they investigated that stuff. And I know personally some of them who have undertaken this kind of harassment at the hands of the Church of Scientology. And a lot of them, what they hope is, if they intimidate you enough, you'll drop it. I have to tell you, one of the things going through my mind is, What's the name, what, what's the movie going to be called oh. in 10 years after whatever big name lawyer for whoever files the suit goes forward and the fight against Scientology, who's going to play, like, does Tom Cruise play himself in that movie? Or do, <laughs> I doubt you know, it. <laughs> but seriously, like that's, you know, we've had other movies like that about taking down the Catholic Church and... That's the movie that's waiting to happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about this. And just on the surface of it, um, David Miscavige is the guy who is currently and has been for the last oh, 30 years or so been at the top of Scientology. He's the guy who runs the joint. The last time anybody saw his wife in public was 2007. You tell Say me that again. The last time anybody saw Shelley Miscavige in person in public was 2007. You tell me anybody else who could have his wife out of the public eye for 16 years and nobody asks any questions and he doesn't end up talking to the cops about it. Wow. Um, okay. Who files this suit? Who who does this come from? Uh, well, this the, the criminal case is being brought by the state prosecutors or by federal prosecutors. Uh, the lawsuits have come at, at the hands of those who have been wronged. So you're talking there about, I mean, anybody who has ever been harassed by the Church of Scientology. It's, it's to the point where, I mean, it kind of makes you wonder why it isn't a class action. There's so many of them. Yeah. Um, did, man. Did you watch any of, of Leah Remini's series? No, Scientology I didn't. in the Aftermath? Was it good? It's now, I believe it's now into its third or fourth season. 
and it's incredible. I mean, they not only do they uh, interview a lot of former Scientology members, some of whom were born into it because their parents were members, some of whom just joined and then realized, oh, this is crazy and I'm getting out of here, about the harassment that they suffered after they left. And it's the same story over and over again. It's like there's a manual somewhere that says when somebody separates, this is what you do to them to try to get them back. And it's terrifying. Wow. And read more through this deadline story. This is fascinating to see as this goes forward. Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. I, if <laughs> there are a couple of things that could happen. Um, one is nothing. You know, the, the Church of Scientology right. beats the rap because, like I said, they have incredible lawyers and, and they, they'll they try to bury this in paperwork. Between now and September, yeah. they're going to try to file every motion they can and bury it in paperwork and delay and delay and delay. So get ready for that to happen. Mm-hmm. And and if they're successful, it may just peter out to the point that prosecutors throw up their hands and say, sorry, we tried. There's nothing we can do. Uh, they may go after them. And what what I think is probably going to happen first, or maybe alongside this, this flurry of legal action that's happening now, is that somebody is going to go after their tax-exempt status. They, okay. for, uh, I'm trying to remember when they got it. It was, I want to say, late 80s, when they finally were granted tax-exempt status as a, as a religion. And... Uh, I mean, they threw this massive party with laser lights and all of this craziness and, and spending you know, a boatload of money because they knew it was billions of dollars that were on the table. And they so they finally got it. What's I mean, if you're a Rico, it doesn't matter if you classify yourself as a religion. If they can show that you're a Rico, you lose your tax exempt status and that will cost them billions of dollars. Wow. Whatever newspaper needs to get on this whatever newspaper has the funding yeah you know um there's a guy that that we've had conversations with in the past uh named tony ortega and and he's one of the leading journalists in the country um about all of this we may see if we can scare him up and and see if he's got an opinion on what this action is and and how this is going to all shake out over the next eight months eight and a half months let's absolutely talk to him yeah get a hold of him for sure all right we'll take a break coming up is this a job that you would take get to that coming up on kmbz So, John, I just sent you the link from WSVN 7 News. Uh, Firefighters are battling a fire at the home of Tyreek Hill, Miami Dolphins wide receiver. Wow. Um, We're in Southwest Ranches. Is that a neighborhood you? Uh, That's not what I know. It's got to be in the Miami area somewhere. Somebody said Tyreek Hill is aware of the situation. He's left practice to go home. His family is okay. It doesn't look... It's not a raging fire, but there's flames shooting through the roof. It yeah, looks like it's it's hard to tell. Yeah, because they've opened up um, they, they've opened up a flue in the roof to be able to let the smoke out. But that I mean, it's it's impossible to tell what's going on inside the lower levels of the house. First of all, it's massive. But I guess when yeah. you're an NFL wide receiver and just signed a massive free agent contract, that's what you buy. Boy, I have different. I'll say this picture. Um, there's another picture that shows a lot more smoke. Oh, darn it. Computers are dumb. Um, that shows a lot more smoke than the original one that I had that shows smoke coming out um, from all over the house. Wow. Um, Just to be at practice and then get the phone call, your house is on fire and you have to go home. 
Yeah. And, uh, boy, and it's so hard because you don't know. I mean, there, there are pictures from outside the house, so you don't know right. what's what's what. You know, where, where's the kitchen, for example? Where's Where are the bedrooms? Right. Uh, Southwest Ranches is in the uh, Miramar area, which is okay. north of Miami. If you start, it's, uh, I guess it'd be Broward County because Hollywood is the like the beach area where that is. And then if you come inland from the beach, maybe five miles, that's where you'll find Southwest Ranches. It's on either side of I-75 as it goes down through Broward County. Okay. Well, his family's okay. He wasn't there. So yep. if we uh, see any updates, we'll certainly pass those along to you. Talk about jobs we don't really have anymore um, because you don't really need them anymore. Most lighthouses now are automated. You don't need to have an, a light housekeeper there anymore, but there are still um, a few few lighthouses that still want a person on site. And this job has been open for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, and, and there's a reason why this job's been open for quite a while. I mean, even in the listing for it, this is out of British Columbia, the Nootka Sound Lighthouse. And they're looking for a lighthouse keeper, but they want you to know exactly what you're getting into if you take this job, it's incredibly isolated. You're on duty 10 to 12 hours a day. And they say right off the bat, it's one of the lowest public sector uh, jobs in terms of compensation in the entire country. So it's not even a lot of money. You're talking about a salary uh, range of anywhere between fifty dollars and $66,000 Canadian. And they said uh, it's the, the offer... Includes work in a beautiful, remote, and rugged location on British Columbia's breathtaking coastline. But then they talk about all the things you don't have while you're there. Things like <laughs> a reliable toilet. Um, they said when it comes to using the bathroom, it's complicated. And they really didn't go into detail past that. But they said that Internet service is spotty. Uh, that if you get satellite internet service, you're on the hook for it. You have to buy that yourself. They said cell service is also spotty at best. You're very, very isolated, and you have to uh, constantly monitor marine traffic, look for vessels in distress, provide safe harbor if, say, a lost kayaker washes up on your shores in the middle of the night. All of these things are expected from you. And by the way, your food gets delivered once a month, so be careful with rationing, and no alcohol is allowed, period. I can't believe there are qualifications for this job. <laughs> do you have a pulse? Are you willing to do it? Right. Hired. Um, I think they recently raised the pay. Yeah, because they also because it's it stay that job stayed open for so long that they said, okay, yeah, we're going to have to put a little bit more money with this. Uh, and so they just extended the posting period. This will tell you something until December 31st of 2024. Yeah. If they have gone this long without having someone there, why not just automate it? Do they I say really this if I have any idea how that process works? <laughs> yeah, do they really need somebody there? If it's yeah. been if it's been open for years, then are they really worried about shipwrecks? I also thought it was interesting and I I didn't know this about lighthouse keepers. Maybe it's only this way in British Columbia that in addition to monitoring marine traffic, that marine traffic includes marine life. So you yeah, also Usually that's not included. No, yeah, you also have, think. you have to keep uh, logs of migrating uh, whales, orcas, humpbacks, and gray whales, and white-sided dolphins in super pods. I'm just looking through more of the duties here. 
scraping and painting buildings, decks, and walkways. <laughs> sounds like a dream to job. refuel diesel tanks. Yep. None of this sounds like fun. No. Like, usually your job is just to be there. Yeah, and they said one of the main attractors to this is room and board. That you get yeah. your food and you get your place to live. So even though it's low compensation, but what kind of life are you going to have if you've got no cable? <laughs> you know, you've <laughs> you've got no internet uh, or spotty internet. You've got cell service that's spotty at best. And they said, um, let's see, they talk about some of the previous people who have uh, been there, been on that island, and some of them who have been the light the lighthouse keepers. And they said one of them was growing raspberries and blueberries and asparagus and baked bread. For entertainment, the couple walked the well-worn brushed path that encircled the island. They built a gym in an old engine room. So there are things you can do if you really don't like other people. <laughs> you know, this, sure. this, this might be the perfect job for you. Do you did it say anything? Do you ever get to leave? Um, I guess if you quit. But like vacation, do you ever get to go and go somewhere where there's good internet and re-download series on your iPad to watch. Oh, no kidding. how you're going to yeah. get through. Stock up on that and on DVDs. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't see anything about vacation, but they, they also mentioned, by the way, hourly weather reports. So you're so, never sleeping either. Right. So you're responsible for that too, uh, for whatever that 10 or 12 hour period is every single day that you're, you've got to deliver hourly weather reports. Wow. I guess if you just wanted to sock money away. Yep for a year because you're being paid and you have no expenses uh, and you can deal with it or for a while you can deal with it and then quit when you can't. <laughs> I guess it's a, make it an Airbnb. That's what I start to think about with all this stuff. Make it an Airbnb, charge a lot for it because it's romantic. Yeah. I guess. And let people stay there. And there are buildings there. I mean, it's, it's not just a lighthouse. There are other buildings there. So sure you could. It's pretty. I mean, the site and stuff is the island looks pretty, so. I think I'll pass. I'm not putting in my application. I like travel, but that's that's pushing it <laughs> a little bit for me. So, uh, all right, that does it for us for the day uh, here on a Wednesday. We'll turn this over to Dana Parks and be back tomorrow here on KMBZ. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.